Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about healthy missions as I comment on Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. When people in the USA are asked to support missions, they often wonder what missionaries do. It reminds me of a Peanuts cartoon I once read. In this cartoon, Lucy asked Charlie Brown, Why are we here on earth? And Charlie replied, To make other people happy. Lucy went on to ask then, well, then why are they here? Paul was the first Christian foreign missionary, and he set the example for all of us to follow in ministry. In fact, he was bold enough to say it sometimes, follow my example and do what I do as I follow Jesus. We can see from Paul's letter to the Romans what missionaries do and what healthy missions is all about. So let's look at it today in Romans chapter 15. First, what we see is healthy missions is taking the gospel where it has never gone before. In verses 20 and 21, Paul said, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. In the first century, most people had never heard the gospel. Now, the gospel was first preached to the Jews, but God also wanted the Gentiles to hear it as well. And the Great Commission commands the church to go and make disciples of all peoples. And Acts 1.8 tells us that the church must go to all corners of the earth and to all peoples. And his three missionary journeys show that Paul was obedient to that command of God to go. Even today, most people overseas have never heard the gospel. There are about 7 billion people in the world, and there are probably less than a billion believers. Almost 2 billion people around the world live in areas where access to the gospel is restricted or denied by governments and societal institutions. And we see Islam spreading rapidly through Europe, and it's also making inroads into some parts of the U.S. and Canada also. The sad fact is many of our neighbors have never heard either. At least a quarter of a billion lost people live in North America alone. A quarter of a billion. For example, a North American missionary I knew whose name is Norm serves in West Virginia. Now he serves where the Appalachian Mountains meet the inner city. He works with people who are fourth generation welfare recipients. Not only did their moms have children by two or three boyfriends, but so did their grandmothers and even their great-grandmothers. This culture does not know that pornography, cohabitation before marriage, and gambling are wrong and destructive. They don't know anything about the gospel. And as hard as it may be to believe in Alabama, the buckle of the Bible belt, this is also a mission field. Over 40% of our population are not members of a local church, and over 90% of the residents of multiple housing units like mobile home parks and apartment complex are unchurched. 
Many people have never heard the gospel before. Now, the key issue with missions is taking the gospel to people who've never had access to it before. As an example of this, a colleague of mine rode his motorcycle all the way from Montgomery, Alabama to Sturgis, South Dakota to participate at the Sturgis Bike Rally, that famous Sturgis Motorcycle Bike Rally. Over 1,300 people made professions of faith with his ministry there. Second, healthy missions is working yourself out of a job. Now, what do I mean by this? Let's read verses 22 through 25. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. As we can see in the book of Acts and also in this passage, Paul did not intend to homestead in any one place. His calling was not to pastor a single church, but to start many. And his method was to begin a work, train up local leaders, and then pass the baton to them. 2 Timothy 2.2 is a perfect summary of his methodology. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. When his work was done in a particular place, he followed God's leading to another field to start a new work all over again, or to go back and reinforce a work that he had started on a previous ministry. A battery company who is a vendor to my dad when he was a heavy truck maintenance supervisor has a slogan that Paul would agree with. They are always starting something. And their logo is a feisty little boy with a black eye. But they're always starting something. And Paul was always starting something too. And this is a key difference between missionaries and local church pastors. Missionaries don't want to foster dependence upon them because they're outsiders. Missionaries want new churches and ministries to mature and to develop, and they know that the best way to grow the kingdom of God is through multiplying themselves, multiplying ministries, multiplying congregations, and multiplying churches with local leadership guiding the way after they have been trained up. Missiologist Jim Slack has taught the one by two by three rule. In the same amount of time it takes to bring one person into an existing church, you can bring two people into a new unit or class in an existing church, and in the same amount of time, you can bring three people into a new church. In fact, the Methodist church spread widely in colonial America because the work of the circuit riders, who ranged the wider and wider spaces across the frontier, starting new classes and new churches. Now, this came at a great cost because few live past their 40th birthday. God's kingdom needs missionaries and pastors. Somebody must start these new works. These are the missionaries. Someone must stay and see that they become completely mature. These are pastors and church staff members. Fortunately, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, God calls out people to do both. Third, healthy missions uses multiple techniques in ministry. Missionaries share the gospel with the unreached in many different ways. And Paul gave several examples in our focus passage for today. For example, 
in verse four, verses 14 through 16, Paul said he ministered through writing. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ, Christ Jesus, to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul was, you know, one of the most prolific biblical writers. He wrote at least 13 New Testament books, maybe 14 and many other letters as well. He tackled many difficult theological issues. He, he wrote both occasionally and he wrote intentionally. For example, the epistles to the, uh, the, the Corinthians are like the game show Jeopardy. We, we have his answers, but we have to figure out the questions. So he wrote in many different styles. And the ministry of writing is vital because the written word can often be more expressive and more definitive. Also, the written word remains when the spoken word leaves. I mean, after all, how many of us remember last week's sermon? How many preachers remember their last week's sermon? The written word can go places we cannot, like prison and other countries and soldiers and combat zones and other places that people themselves cannot go personally. It's been said that John 3.16, inscribed on a pencil and sent into a country that is closed to the gospel, is better than all the eloquent sermons never heard. Indeed, I once knew a Muslim in West Africa who was converted simply by reading the Bible. No one had witnessed to him or preached to him at the time of his decision for Christ. He simply read the Bible and became a Christian. So how do missionaries imitate Paul in this? Well, they translate the Bible into local language. They produce and distribute literature. They produce videos and movies like the Jesus film. And increasingly, they use social media like Facebook, Twitter, and text messaging to do this gospel work. In verses 18 through 20, Paul went on to say that he ministered through speaking as well. For I will not venture to speak speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make my ambition to preach the gospel. You know, speaking is really the primary mode of doing ministry. Missionaries speak to preach, teach, and witness. Missionaries speak to comfort and to encourage. The spoken word is almost always available, and it requires no special equipment. That's why Paul told Timothy to be ready to preach the gospel in season and out. How did Paul use speech in his ministry? Well, he preached and he taught and he, he instructed the Jews and the Gentiles, and he told the complete gospel of Jesus as Savior and Lord. In fact, he once preached so long that a boy fell out of a window, but that's probably an extreme example, so we won't, we won't model that in our work. But missionaries also imitate Paul in using the spoken word. They tell their personal story, which has great power. Nobody can argue with what Christ has done in your life. 
They also use special techniques to reach illiterate people like chronological Bible story and chronological Bible teaching. They also tell the story of missions to church members to challenge them to continue to support the Great Commission by giving, praying, sending, and going themselves. So, words are very important, spoken words. In verses 22 through 24, Paul said he also ministered through his physical presence. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you since once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul knew what missionaries today know that there is power in physical presence that can't be experienced in any other way. In this age of call centers, people still like doing business in person. And Jesus came to earth to seek us out and to be with us in person. Also, the, God sent the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives in person. There is power in presence. Now, why is there power in presence? It allows you to see a person's reality and to empathize. It also allows us to demonstrate our interest in a physical way through the comfort of a touch. Sometimes being present is all that you can do, especially in times of grief. And Paul's example is instructive for us. He took three missionary journeys and he visited new fields and he visited old fields. He was willing to go where he was needed for whatever purpose he was needed to go for. He was like that old TV character Paladin, whose motto was, have gun, will travel. Well, Paul had the gospel, and he would travel. He would go. So how do missionaries imitate Paul and being present? Well, they go where the people are, like when they use four-wheel drive trucks to reach people in the African rainy season. Uh, they live the way the local people do. They eat the same food and they wear the same clothes. They even learn the local language and customs and they may even take a local name. When I was a missionary, my name was Lamadiba. But, but they also live out Christian lives before non-believers. For example, Muslim marriage relationships are often arranged and they're very businesslike. It is a very powerful witness to live out a Christian marriage in a Muslim culture since a Christian marriage represents a relationship between Christ and the church. In verses 26 through 28, Paul said that he also ministered by meeting human needs. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have com uh, completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. The situation in Jerusalem at this time was very very grim. The Christians were hated by the Jews and the Romans had just labeled the church as an outlaw religion. Many believers were from the lower classes and they were often poor or even slaves. And in response to this, Paul mobilized the love of the brethren. He helped the believers in Europe to realize their debt to the Jerusalem church and he instructed them on how to take a collection and then send it by way of Paul and a delegation and thereby 
the church on the mission field ministered to human needs. And so do today's missionaries. Because today's missionaries realize that Jesus did not come to the earth to merely heal the sick. He came to seek and save that which was lost. But while he was here on earth, however, he could not help but be benevolent and to show his love to people through meeting their human needs. And missionaries follow in his footsteps, and they do as Paul did. They help with housing needs. They help with hunger needs. They help with medical needs. At one time, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention ran a dental clinic in West Africa that served a population of about 800,000 people. It was the only dentist in that whole region. Finally, healthy missions is bathed in prayer. Without a doubt, Paul believed in prayer. Paul prayed for those in authority, 1 Timothy 2.2. Paul prayed for believers in Philippians 1.9 and Colossians 1.9. In fact, Paul prayed without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And Paul wanted people to pray for him, as we see here in Romans 15, verses 30-33. I appeal, appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful benediction. Missionaries today also believe in prayer. They pray before they engage in ministry. They pray during ministry and they pray after ministry. Prayer efforts like prayer walking play a major part in the strategies of missionaries, both in the United States as well as overseas. And missionaries often wait until their birthdays to make major decisions because they know many people around the world are praying for them on that special day in their lives. As I've already mentioned prayer walking is a tremendous ministry. Graham Kendrick calls it praying on site with insight. And it really does enlighten and inform our prayer when we see the sights and hear the sounds and taste the taste and yes, even smell the smells. Commonly, people say, all I can do is pray. In truth, sometimes the best thing you can do is pray as you bring people and situations to the throne of grace and into the very presence of God himself. So, in conclusion, a pastor I knew called Paul a full gospel preacher, but he didn't mean it in a denominational sense. Paul was a full gospel preacher because he shared the gospel with his words, his actions, his prayers, and his life. Our missionaries follow this pattern even today because Paul is the very model of healthy missions. And he is a model for our churches to follow as they rebuild after COVID-19. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.